Amen. Let's give the Lord Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. Oh, come on, let's praise him. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. so good to be here with this church family and good to be here with the bookers and uh, good to be here with Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Love and appreciate the Lord and I love and appreciate his people. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Genesis, the third chapter. And uh, I do have a rather... Um, unique message. I kept praying and asking God if this is what he really wanted me to preach. Uh, but if this helps one or two people, uh, I'll be very happy and uh, trust that I did God's will. We are living in a time where a lot of bad behavior is being normalized. I remember when I was growing up, if somebody ever called you a junkie, those were some fighting words. But now we call ourselves food junkies and we talk about binging and all kinds of stuff and it's very normalized. Terminology that years ago might have only been associated with addictions and bad behavior is now common speech and in some cases a compliment. But the church can't fall into that trap because chances are what's ever normal to the world is not normal to us. And so I want to preach to the church today about something that I really believe is being normalized. And if the church is not careful, we can fall victim to it as well. So with the help of the Holy Ghost, we're going to go to the book of Genesis, chapter 3 and verse number 13. We'll start at 13. And the Lord God said unto the woman... What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed, everyone say seed, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And I want to preach to you today on this subject, the seed will save us. The seed will save us. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. I pray God in your precious name that you would touch me now from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet for the sole purpose of ministering to your people. They are a wonderful people. Use me, Jesus, to speak to them, to encourage them, to edify them. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone shout amen. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise before we're seated.
The Lord bless you. You may be seated. By now, most of us are familiar with the story of Adam and Eve and their life in paradise and its abrupt end because of sin. God's judgment on Adam and Eve's sin in the garden was to exile them, to make them leave. They could not stay in paradise and sin at the same time. They had to choose one or the other. God's judgment, however, is not without mercy and hope. First, God curses the serpent because the serpent is the primary agitator. Every sin that you commit has a spiritual element to it. And God demands that we acknowledge it. I know a lot of times we want to simply relegate sin to a flesh problem. And flesh has a lot to do with it. But don't you kid yourself, saint to God. When you mess up, the devil will get his hoof in there. He'll talk to you. He'll encourage you to quit, to give up, to walk away from God. And God always demands that we acknowledge the spiritual element of sin. It is for this reason that God immediately asks Adam, who told you you were naked? God wanted Adam to acknowledge the serpent's role in his poor decision making. While I worry about the sins Satan provokes, I worry more about the silence he encourages. It would be one thing if he only tricked us into sinning, but he goes one step further and he tricks us into staying quiet about our sins. Is it any wonder that the Apostle John attempts to rewire our thinking in 1 John 1.9 when he says, Confess your sins and God will forgive you of your sins. Don't stay quiet. Talk it out with God. Satan's trickery is nothing new. It's older than creation itself. Revelations 12 and 9 calls Satan the old serpent. This old serpent deceived Eve, it defeated Adam, and gave both of them a taste of death. And because they are the first humans, <clears throat> they now pass that on to us. All the deception, all the defeat, and all the death in the garden was passed on to us by way of Adam and Eve. Today we call that transfer original sin. 1 Corinthians 15 and 22 is only one of many Scriptures that describe original sin when Paul says, For in Adam we all die. As horrible as this event is, it is not without a remedy. God delivers some bad news to Satan and some good news to the humans. God tells the old serpent that Eve is going to have an offspring who will rise to power and crush his head. The Lord told the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon your belly shall you go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Thousands of years later, the mystery of this prophecy is revealed when Jesus is sentenced to death, tortured, and crucified. Satan was told that his head would be crushed. Jesus was crucified on a mountain called Golgotha, 
which means skull or head. It is at this mountain where the foot of Jesus symbolically steps on the skull of Satan. During his execution, Jesus has nails driven into the front of his feet, which come out the other side, piercing his heels. His death on the cross is the fulfillment of the crushed head and the bruised heel that God spoke of in the garden. Jesus dies from the sting of death, but on the third day, he rises again over pow- with power over the grave and over death. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 55, Paul rehearses this great event and he says, amen, these powerful words. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. That's the gospel, folks. And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that Jesus died and defeated death for me. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that he died in my place. I'm so glad that the final chapter of the Bible was not, amen, Genesis chapter 3. Hallelujah. I'm so glad, amen, that we serve a God that is transferring victory to us. Victory. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Today, however, I want to preach to you on a particular aspect of this victory that is often overlooked. The complicated dilemma of sin, Satan, and humans is resolved by an offspring of Adam and Eve, who we know today as Jesus. But if I were to say this in very simple terms, the serpent is told that he will be defeated by a child. The parents of humanity are told that salvation will come through a child that will be born. The prophet Isaiah is very careful to include this in his prophecy of Jesus when he says, unto us a child is born, a son is given. Why is this so significant? Because normally adults don't think of children as the answer to their problems. In many cases, it's sad to say that adults see children as a problem. Which is why in today's world, there is no shortage of adults who leave their children, and that's if they even have them. Because as we all know, many are being terminated and labeled unwanted pregnancies. But none of this is new. Satan has always attacked the love that is supposed to exist between parents and children. Satan hates the family. I want you to know that the times we're living in right now is normalizing the destruction of the home. We are normalizing people sitting at dinner and not talking with one another. And that's if we even sit at dinner with one another. We are normalizing wayward children. We are normalizing abandoned children. We are normalizing the desire to not even have children. We are normalizing all kinds of bad behavior. Amen. God, on the other hand, loves the family. God loves children. And God expects the church to love children. God is happy with a great Sunday school program. God is happy when families sit together and have dinner. I know I didn't, I didn't think I'd get a whole lot of shouting about this kind of preaching. But I just feel like there's some families here that need to be reminded. Hallelujah. Children are special. They're a blessing from God. We need to cherish it as such. We need to remind ourselves that it's okay to turn off the phone, to turn off the iPad, to turn off the radio, to turn off all electronics 
electronic devices to sit down and to communicate with our children. If we do not communicate with our children, someone else will. And they're going to tell them things that we don't want them hearing. They're going to say things to them that will lead them astray. Some of us ended up in the church because our parents did not give us any attention. And before we knew it, we were in and out of jail. We were doing drugs. We were on our second, third, fourth divorce. Amen. We were depressed. We were suicidal. We were a hot mess. All because somebody did not cherish the family. All because somebody did not love their children. All because somebody could not put their kids above and beyond all else. I want to remind this church that God still loves the family. That God still wants us to love them. Come on, Oh, come on, let's praise him right now. Oh, come on, let's praise him. I feel, I feel God speaking to us. Hallelujah. Oh, let's just praise him for a few more seconds. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I feel God talking to us right now. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, whatever your opinion is about the whole coronavirus, one of the ugliest things that has been promoted is, is the idea, amen, or the distance that can be placed between people. That's what we are really combating. When all this is over, what we are going to have to really combat is the distance that has been fixed between people. But one of the things that always upset me the most about this whole coronavirus thing is that children became the biggest carriers of it. And they could have zero or no symptoms. And so parents were good to be careful for their children. We cannot allow anything to put space between our children and us. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. We cannot allow anything to create distance between us and our children. Not a virus, not this world, not a job, not a... We cannot allow anything to put space between us and our children. You only get one of each. If you have one, you only get one of one. Hallelujah. You have to love those children. They're special. God gave them to you. They're a gift from the Lord. They're the inheritance of God. You can't just cast that relationship off carelessly. It means so much. I'm preaching to somebody today. I'm going to get into my sermon here in a minute, but I'm preaching to somebody today. It's time that you, as an adult, elevate the relationship between parent and child. This government is not going to do it. This world is not going to do it. Satan is definitely not going to do it. In fact, he's going to try to emphasize the need for you to stay away from your children. Hallelujah. I'm, I, I came here today to serve notice on hell. There will be a church in these last days that will stay close to their children. There will be a church in Rialto, California that will be told, stay close to your kids. We st- this is still good preaching. This is... Oh, come on, let's praise him. Why? Why does Satan attack the child-parent relationship? 
Because if a seed becomes the focus of its parents, it will save them. When parents focus on their seed, divorce rates go down. When parents focus on the seed, drug abuse goes down. When parents focus on the seed, suicide goes down. When parents focus on the seed, money is saved. Debts are paid. Plans are made. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching right now. Hallelujah. Educations are finished. Life is complete. When you put the children in their proper place, hallelujah, I'm telling you, it makes adults do amazing things. Um, come on, somebody. I'm you right now. Hallelujah. When we think of these... When we think of these positive, amen, impacts that, ch- that children can have on the family, we think in terms of parents doing what's best for their children. But in reality, what's going on, it's, it's the opposite. It's children compelling parents to do their best without talking, without counseling, without reasoning. A small infant in diapers, amen, saves its parents from a life of misery and turmoil. I cannot explain to you. I have only two children some of you have several but every single one of them amen helps you want to be a better person the seeds can save us if we'll focus on them if we'll pay attention to them if we'll have dinner with them if we'll talk to them I know somebody you probably want to hear a Holy Ghost message I'd like to preach one but I'm telling you what even that precious Holy Ghost we love to preach about amen the Bible tells me for the promises unto you and unto your children hallelujah this thing Oh, come on, somebody. Let's magnify him right now. Oh, Jesus. Come on, come on, come on, come on. God's talking to somebody. There are families that are going to be helped. There are individuals that are going to be helped. There are, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hey, young couple, having a dog is not the same as having a child. Oh, he's going to get on my puppy. Yes, I'm going to get on your puppy. Yes, I'm going to get all over your Pomeranian. It is not, it is not the same as a child. Nothing will replace a child. I remember my wife and I, when we had our first daughter, we were living inside of a small apartment. And, uh, you know, she'd cry at night. And we, we had a neighbor upstairs. And uh, I, real kind of a dark guy. He had piercings everywhere and jet black hair and fingernails painted black. And he was a, he was a, a, a programmer by day and a DJ by night. Just real bizarre guy. And, but, but, you know, we got along with him well. And one day I walked out of the house and uh, he was standing out there smoking his morning cigarette. And uh, he said, you guys had a baby? I said, yeah, we did. She was born a few days ago. He said, man, I know how you feel. We just got two cats. I know I'm going to get on some sensitive subjects. I know that some of this information may bother people. I know this is hard on some of us. But I want you to know. I want you to know that that relationship between a parent and a child has no equal. 
So significant is the parent-child relationship that God himself manifested himself through it. God could have came down straight out of heaven, made some, made some heavenly flesh, which we don't believe in, praise God, made some divine flesh and just lived among us. That's not what he did. He was born, amen, through a woman, amen, who was married to a man. He lived in their home. He was raised by them. He was fed by them. He was changed by them. He, he had brothers and sisters. Maria didn't die a virgin. Praise God. She had other children. Hallelujah. Jesus had brothers and sisters. He was part of a family and it was Jesus, amen, that helped shape the thinking of his mother and it was Jesus that helped shape the thinking of, his, uh, of Joseph and it was Jesus that helped shape the thinking of Adam and Eve and it was Jesus that shaped the thinking of the prophet Isaiah and it it was Jesus that shaped the come on I'm telling you and if you'll focus on the seed the seed can save you oh let's give God a hand praise right now there are not enough books that can be written about the people that made radical changes in their life, all because they had children. The seeds can save us if we will let them. The prophecy in the garden is proof of that. I want to encourage parents today to be sensitive to the positive influence that a child can have on your life. And the best way to do that is with a few easy tips and tricks. Number one, Understand why God gave you children. I'm going to just hit the pause button here. I know there's a lot of humans everywhere. But it's not easy to have children. Some people cannot have children. Some people never had children. And so it actually is pretty disgusting that any of us would act like they're a nuisance. Because there was, there's somebody out there that would gladly trade places with you. And in fact, if you'll allow me to just talk to you for a few seconds, there's whole world systems now that if you don't want the kids, they'll take them. We have to understand why God gave us children. Parents often act as though our role is to shape our children into an idealized version of our younger selves. Were we good at sports? Then our kids should be too. Could we play the piano? Then our daughters should too. Our, were we good at school? Then they should be too. We measure our children against who we were at their age. God does not give us children to fashion them into the idealized version of our younger selves. You will only disappoint yourself by trying to make your children into a better version of you when you were younger. You have a wonderful pastor who can pastor you. I'm not trying to pastor you. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm not here to counsel. I'm not a counselor. I'm just here to let you know that the job, amen, that the reason God gave you that child, amen, was not so that you can turn them into a mini you. They're getting... 
they're already going to be like you anyways, and probably not the most best side of you, but praise God anyways, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah. That's not the reason God gave us children, amen, hallelujah. In fact, if you try to make little versions of yourself out of your children, you're only going to find out that you can't do it, and it's going to be too late. By the time they grow up, they're going to resent you. They're not going to like you. They're not going to want to be around you, praise God. We have to understand that God gave us children to be a blessing. Amen. Genesis 1, 27 through 28, God blesses humanity and tells them to be fruitful and multiply. Amen. God gave us children, amen, to show his respect and dignity of us. Amen. Leviticus 26 and 9 says, for I will have respect unto you and make you fruitful and multiply you and establish my covenant with you. God gives us children because he loves us. Deuteronomy 7 and 13 says, and I will love thee and I will bless thee and I will multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb. These are just a few of the many reasons that the Bible says God gives us children. But nowhere are we told that God gave us children so we can fashion them into our own image. Those kids that eat all the food and don't share, steal, kick, scream, harass, keep you up at night. God gave you that because he loves you. <laughs> God gave you that to show that he respects you and he has dignity towards you. God gave you that as a blessing. I have one lady amening me. There should be all of us saying amen. Trust me, I, 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 I sleep five hours a night now. I have one daughter. She's little. She's cute. We can't get her out of the bed. She sleeps, she sleeps horizontally. Uh, it's a mess. She kicks. Uh, she doesn't go to bed when she's supposed to. And I just have to remind myself every night, this is a blessing. 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 Come on, I just have to remind myself, this, when they don't share, when they fight, when they got to be counseled, when, they gotta, when they're difficult, when they're complicated, when there's, when there's hair, amen, clogging the sinks, I just got to keep telling myself, this is a blessing, this is a blessing, God respects me, God loves me, God, I know this is simple preaching, but this is good for us, we need to be reminded every once in a while, hallelujah, I don't know, maybe your kid got you to church today all bent and out of, all bent out of shape, and you're upset, and you were fighting in the car, and you were, and you were threatening them, I, the closer we got to Christmas, the more I told my children, if you don't behave, I'm taking all the gifts back, amen, hallelujah, but... I'm just telling you, folks, kids are a good thing. Kids are a good thing. Kids, I, can never, I could never repay my children. I could never repay God for what they've done in me. I could never, come on, somebody. We're talking about things money can't buy. We're talking about things therapy can't do. We're talking about... Come on, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. We're not going to move forward until we get with this. Until we get with this. Jesus. If I could just for a moment, let me talk to everybody who came out of a broken home 
a fractured home, a destroyed home, you don't have to continue in that pattern. You, don't, you may fumble and stumble through parenting, but you don't have to carry on the evil traditions of sin. You can break all those patterns. Hallelujah. It may be harder for you than it is for some, but trust me, if you'll set your eyes on Jesus and you'll, and you'll elevate that relationship and you'll ask yourself, what is best for my children? Trust me, you'll break up with that loser boyfriend really quick. Trust me, you'll stay with that husband that gets on your last nerves for a long time. Praise God. Trust me, it, gentlemen, you will get up and get a second job if you have to. But when you're able to elevate and to, and to focus properly, amen, on what's best for my children. I, you know, I, I, I don't know what the future holds for us. I'm just going to be very frank and honest, and your pastor can get up here and preach differently. That's fine. Uh, I will amen him. I, I just... Not, not very excited about 2021. I, I, I'm excited about revival. I'm excited about the church. I'm excited about the kingdom. But everything outside of it, brother, I'm praying. Brother, I'm, I'm fasting. I'm asking Jesus for, for a mighty thunderous outpouring of his Holy Spirit. Because I'm telling you right now, the stuff out there, it's getting pretty bad. And if there's ever been a time when the church has to gather the kids in, if there's ever been a time when the church has to walk through those doors for prayer holding the baby's hands it's now praise God if there's ever been a time amen when we need to call those children that are now grown that we haven't talked to for a while and try to make things right it's now praise God if there's ever been a time to call your backslid teenager who just ran out of the house it's now praise God if there's ever been a time to just work on resolutions and redemption it's now if there's ever been a time praise God come on come on somebody let's Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Can we just praise God for a few more seconds? I, I'm not trying to draw this out. I just feel like something's really getting a hold of us right now. He shot the la de Jesus, Jesus. You feel that Jesus is moving through this congregation right now. God, 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 God.
Oh, God. Let's lift our hands. <laughs> yeah. I can feel it right now in the Holy Ghost. There's mothers stepping back into their role right now. I can feel it in the Holy Ghost. There's fathers stepping back into their role right now. I can feel it right now in the Holy Ghost. There's some families here. You know you've been a little distracted. Life has been wearing you down. And you've been feeling like we don't spend enough time together. Things, something's not right. But today that's going to start changing. It's going to start changing. There's going to be a reversal. Hallelujah. There's going to be a refocusing. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. There are families here that are going to be saved. They're going to be rescued. They're going to be repaired. They're going to be redeemed. They're going to be rectified. They're going to be, come on. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus.
Can we all lift our hands here just for a moment? Come on, if you're praying, keep praying. There's, there's such a deep move of prayer here right now. Come on, let's stand. Come on, just let, let's reverence the Lord. Keep praying if you're praying. Whatever you feel to do right now, just hallelujah. I'm done preaching, but let's pray right now. Come on, we're, we could do this. Families praying with families right now. If you're sitting close to your children, I want you to just, hallelujah, even if your kids aren't praying, I want you to just Put your hands on them. Pray together as a family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Young couples, you need to pray right now, even if you don't have kids. You need to begin to pray now that God prepares you for the day that you do have them. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, we need grandparents right now. <laughs> Praying. For their children and their children's children. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. If you're single and you're afraid of getting married because you 
The devil keeps telling you you're going to make a mess of your life and your marriage. You need to slip your hands in the air right now. You need to begin to pray. God is going to break that lie off of your mind. Hallelujah. You single folk, you can pray now. Hallelujah. You can pray too. Hallelujah. Because you will be a parent one day. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, in the name of Jesus. 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 Yeah, la, 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 la,